0: I'd like for you to open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter number 6, verse 19. Matthew 6, verse 19. We're going to look through verse 21. Get that and hold your place there. Matthew 6, 19. Uh, Of course, that's the first book in the New Testament. We're going to take a look at some of the words of Jesus. Uh, The title for my message today is Adventure. I love adventure. I love adventure and and this is uh, th- this is something that that just that just keeps me going i'm always looking for a little adventure when we were when, when we had all, all of our children at home, the little children, and the, when they were fun, we would just go out and do crazy stuff. They said, what are we doing? We would just say, we're just doing a woody adventure, and a woody adventure just meant we would just do go and do something fun the kids would like, and that was a surprise that would be fun. I love adventures, and so I've entitled today's message, Adventure. How many, you, how many of you guys like adventure? How many of y'all are just scared of adventure? You're like, oh, don't give me adventure. Okay. See, nobody, Donna, you don't have to raise your hand for you. You're scared of adventure. Okay. Well, you lifted your hand way too late. I just wanted to make sure... And I had to call her out. Donna, I think you get called out in our service more than anyone. But it's it's a good thing, and you know we love you. <laughs> and I'm glad you're on the front row. Thank you for being there because truth is you're one of a, you're you're one of my favorite encouragers uh, as you as you take notes and shout me down sometimes, but you're you're a huge blessing. But but I went, I took my boys on an adventure trip a few years ago. My all all my boys and, and on this little adventure trip, what we wanted to do was to go to go and visit as many of the Civil War forts that were on the, uh, the northern Gulf Coast, visit as many as possible and explore them. And there are a lot to actually see and visit. If you've never looked at any of the Civil War forts, it's really, really interesting. We stu- I like to study the history. We mapped it out, planned it out. And there was one particular place that we were going to, which is actually the ruins of a civil. Civil War fort, and it's on Perdido Key. Perdido Key is, uh, is is an island that's out there in the northern Gulf Coast. It's right around uh, Florida, Alabama, and and it's a, it's a big, long, 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 skinny island. And you can drive out to a certain point, but from there, you have to uh, you 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 actually have to hike out. Or what we did is we rented kayaks. So we rented kayaks and took those kayaks uh, further out to a camping area and. And we knew where we we were allowed to camp. And it was a lot of fun going out there because it was desolate. There's nobody there. And I just want to tell you, on those desolate beaches, it's amazing how much trash uh, comes up on the shore. It's uh, it's really interesting to be out there. But we were out there and we camped out for quite a while. We we went camping and exploring and and we didn't have any phones with us, couldn't take pictures or anything like that because you bring a phone with you like that and it's going to get messed up because you're in and out of the water and all that kind of stuff so but uh, but one of the forts that we were going to look at, which was the ruins of an old fort on this adventure, was called it uh, was was called. Camp Fort McCree. Fort McCree is the name of it. And Fort McCree, and go ahead and put a picture of this up. This is actually taken in the 1860s. It's a Civil War fort that actually sat out there on that island. And there are some of the uh, Confederate soldiers. This was actually a Confederate fort. And there were two other forts which were very close, like really, really close to it. And those are two other forts were, were actually Union forts. And so they would shoot at each other across the water. Really interesting story that, uh, of that out there. But but uh, we I wanted to take take my sons and I want us to hike all the way out to the ruins. Now it doesn't look like that anymore at all. But but the because of hurricanes have come through the island has uh, has actually been kind of sliced up. In fact, now you can't even hike out to it because of a hurricane that came through a few years ago, kind of split that part off from the rest of the island. But. We were going to go all the way out and hike way out to the end of the island and explore the ruins of Fort McCree. And it was, I tell you, it was an adventure. At one point, one of my sons, he said, said, Dad, what is this? And he found something on the ground, picked it up, and it was rusty. And I'm like, well, what is this? And I looked at it and I said, this is a gun. This is literally an old rusty gun. We, when, we, when we went back, we went and looked at what types of guns the Confederates used. And sure enough, we found it. Put that next picture up there. Because this, was a, this is actually the, the exact type of gun that we found. And this gun was, had been there in the sand for over 100 years. And probably 120 years this, this had been there in the sand. Obviously, one of the soldiers had lost it and buried it in the sand to hide it. I don't know what he was doing. And we found it. We, we took it back and then after I realized we took it back and everything I realized like wait you're, They said you're not supposed to remove stuff from the room. It's like Oh, well, it's too late. I don't know what to tell you. It's too late We did it. We did it. We removed it. We found this cool gun You can even still smell the gunpowder in it and uh and so I'm just telling you, this that was such a fun adventure. While we were out there, there was this horrible, windy night, and we didn't know what was going on, but the wind kept picking up, and the waves got really big out there. And we were out there for, for three nights, and this is our last night, and it was terrible. We had to anchor down the, the tent. In fact, we had to use the kayaks to help anchor it down, because our tent was bending over to where you're, you're laying down. It's a huge dome tent, but, but it's in your face. That's what it was like. The, uh, the tent poles sh- ended up shredding. And it was totally unusable. The tent was. After that night, uh, we we finally made our way back to uh, to where we where we were staying. Got back to the vehicle. When we got back to the vehicle, took a look. and It's like, oh, now we know why the waves and the wind were so big. There's a tropical storm out there in the Gulf. So we learned that uh, at times it's kind of good to have a little bit of information regarding the weather. But you know what? That's adventure. There's a there's some risk involved. And so I, I adventure, according to the dictionary, is this. Adventure is an undertaking with a measure of risk that results in exciting experiences. And what I just described to you was just that. It, there was risk. There was there, there are a lot of things I didn't even tell you about that happened on that trip where we ran out of water. What are we going to do? Oh, no. And so it's an undertaking with a measure of risk that results in exciting experiences. And we love adventure. Even Donna loves adventure. And I know that to be the case. But, you know, in, in recreational travel, it typically is adventurous. You're going To have some level of adventure, and in life, we do. We tend to seek out adventures, they may not be huge or vast, but there's some type of an adventure. And and I want to make this clear our faith serving God is an adventure as well. In fact, I call it a holy adventure, and so I've defined holy adventure this way this is my definition it's following Jesus, engaging the risk, exciting experiences, reward. And security. Let me say that again. Holy adventure is following Jesus, engaging the risk, exciting experiences, reward, and security. Now, keep in mind, there is risk involved in serving God. But at the same time, you are secure. That's why security is in there. You're secure and you're safe because God isn't going to let you down. He's going to take care of you. That's why I call this a secure risk. It's one of the best risks you can take. I would say the best risk you can take, which is holy adventure. Because ultimately ultimately it's all about eternity and there's huge reward in eternity and reward on earth as well so today i'm talking about adventure but 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 i want to take it a step further i'm talking about holy adventure now When you were in school, do you remember your teachers telling you you're going to be tested on what you read? Do you ever remember that? I hated when the teachers said that. Sorry, if you're a teacher, I still don't like that. You're going to be tested on what you read. It's just that that feeling of pressure. Well, I, I learned something, and after I became a senior pastor, I learned something that that would happen. It happens regularly, consistently with me. And, and it's kind of like that, but it's, it's this, this is that you will be tested on what you're going to preach before you preach it. I'll say it again. You will be tested on what you're going to preach before you preach it. And I'll tell you that is very, very real. It it really does happen. So I had already chosen the scripture passage that I was, going to be, I was going to be teaching today and preaching on today. And then I have to tell you something. There was a discovery in my home. I put that little little picture up there. There was a discovery in my home. Now, you may not know what that is, but I do. That is called a pantry moth. It's called a pantry moth. And yes, I looked it up and tried to figure it out. Opened the pantry and I saw one of these little things flying out and... Rebecca was like, what? what? It's like a moth. I'm like, that's not a moth. Moths are bigger. I don't know. What, what is that? What is that? And the next day, another one and another one I thought, this is not good. Started examining the pantry and found out that we had pantry moths. Where did those things come from? I don't know how they got in here. How did they get into our house? I mean, we don't live like on the farm. We don't live rural. But here we are, and we have these things. And so this week, I realized that moths can destroy I've always heard about it, but I've never seen it. But now I've seen it. Moths destroy. And we had to throw out about, about 60% of the stuff that was in our pantry and wipe everything else down. I had to go in there and clean it out. And I just went so far to Clorox the whole thing. Like You will not survive in my house. And, and it, you know, walk into my pantry right now, it's like, smells like Clorox. It does, and, I, and we're going to be okay on that. But But it was... I don't think that was a coincidence because I had selected the passage that I'm giving you today as my key passage for the day, Matthew chapter number six, verse 19. Take a look at it, Matthew 6 19. Jesus said this He said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth, that's pantry moths also, and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. I'm glad, I'm really glad God didn't test me on the thieves breaking in and stealing part prior to this sermon, but it, it could have happened. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moths, pantry moths, that's my part, nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, so treasures in heaven, basically what, the, what those are, these are treasures that can't deteriorate. They can't be stolen. Earthly treasures are different. Now, earthly treasures exist for every single one of it. it it's property and keepsakes and collections. It could be bank accounts. Uh, and, and it's all good. But earthly treasures, trust me, even if it's food in the pantry, it deteriorates and it can be stolen. And and uh, and truth be told, the more things that we have, the more our things can tend to have us. We end up organizing our lives around the things, and we strive to maintain the things and the stuff and and the boundaries, you know, of like what is too much. Well, the boundaries of too much—it's different for every single person. Every person is in a different situation, so we never judge anyone on the too much or not enough kind of a thing, but. But when your treasures end up running your life, then you've got a problem, and you're in over your head. Because we, as humans, what we will do is then we're going to end up centering our lives around the maintaining of what we value the most. And if it's the possessions, that will be it. See, I like this principle, though, is that heaven has a ledger, and heaven's ledger is different than the accounting systems that we use in this world. You see, as believers, we, we, we recognize that storing up treasures in heaven, it creates this exponential effect on our behalf. And, and it has, treasures in heaven have significantly more value than the deteriorating treasures that we have on earth. And so storing up treasures in heaven, it begins with us simply living joyfully generous lives. And I like to say this because this is true. We are a generous, generous church filled with generous people. That's the truth. And there's so much joy in the lifestyle of generosity. I mean, it's very rewarding and it's essential. It, it, it's, a, it's a critical marker of spiritual maturity as well. We can gauge our spiritual maturity based upon the generosity in our own lives. And there are a lot of ways to be joyfully generous, you know, a lot of different ways. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, but we, we tend to store up treasures and and. and But if we can use those treasures and if we will take those treasures and and give them away and use our time and be gracious with our words and even be financially generous and other things like that, then then we're in this adventure of joyful generosity. And that's something I want to challenge you to get into today. And it does engage risk. It does create exciting experiences. And it does bring reward and it does bring security. See all that we have has been given to us by the hand of Almighty God now, now Jesus and his followers they uh, Jesus uh, and his followers they understood this concept naturally. It's, it's a little different in today's culture, but in that culture at that time, the followers of Jesus just simply accepted it. That they, they, were just, they didn't have to be preached at about this. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, Jesus said, when you give to the needy. He didn't just say if, uh, or he just said when. He didn't even have to command them to do so. It's just when you do that so it's understood that the followers of God are generous and this involves a holy adventure and it's expected of every single person who gives their life and, and wants to follow Jesus So, but, but I want to address a question very quickly here that, that I've had come up and this is a question of concern of some people and, and the question is this are you promised blessings if you are joyfully generous and the answer is yes but also no, and I want to, I want to address this. I want to mention this very quickly here Uh, because the reason I'm talking about this very quickly is because of some misconceptions that are out there that are based upon what some believers have, have used to manipulate. They've manipulated the scriptures and come up with a, it's called a theology around this. And, uh, and, and it's, the truth is, though, if you're following God, you're serving God, you're, 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 you're loving him, you're growing in him, well, you are going to experience amazing blessing. That's just what the scriptures say, and I know it's true. So so when you put your faith in Jesus and, and, and you become joyfully generous, and you're, that becomes part of your lifestyle, you will be blessed beyond measure. You will be. So that's the yes part, absolutely. But here's the no part. The blessing is not... Always financial. It's not always dollars and cents. And some of you may have heard some religious hucksters uh, promise if you give them a hundred dollars that that God's going to multiply it, and all of a sudden you're going to get a thousand dollars. And then that, and that's that's fine. I remember a, a minister came when I was on staff at a church years ago, came and was preaching that exact message, and the, the pastor had to get up the next Sunday and say, "No, nah, no, nah, actually it doesn't quite work work like that." And so the, he never got invited back. Just just to let you know, but. But there's this thing. Of, well, God's just going to multiply it, and, and you, whatever you give, God's going to multiply it times ten. Well, can God do that? Absolutely, He can. Absolutely, He can. And he just might. But there are no financial. Promises. Okay, so I wanted, wanted to kind of clear the air on that. But the Bible does promise you that you will be blessed when you give. I mean, Malachi chapter number three says this: it "says Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so there will be food in my house, and put me to the test." Now, in this, says the Lord of armies, "If I do not open up for you the windows of heaven, and look at this, pour out for you a blessing until it overflows." Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor will the vine in your field prove fruitless to you, says the Lord of armies. So, so these blessings, as you see, they come in a lot of different forms. And this is part of the holy adventure of joyful generosity. And you're going to experience blessing one way or another. And, and I'll tell you, even one of the ways that you see the blessing is seeing how God uses your gifts to bless others and to help others and, and, uh, so, so reducing the concept of blessing back to simply dollars and cents, I believe, minimizes the creative power of God on how he wants to bless. So we, let, we let God bless. And sometimes when you give $100, well, you just have $100 less in your bank account. You know? But you are always blessed when you give. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says this, Given it will be given to you. That's a, that's a principle from God's word. Jesus said that. It says, They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. So it's clear that God does bless. But just like any adventure, just like the adventure that we took out to Perdido Key, there are warnings that you have to follow. And we received a list of all those warnings before we went on our hike, before we went on like camping, except they didn't warn us about tropical storms because they would think you would have the common sense to know that one is coming. But uh, but but you, you'll have all of these, we do have these warnings that surround this adventure of joyful generosity. And, you know, it's just like God, God's like a, like a loving father. And he's, if he's sees you running toward a cliff or running out into the to I-35, he's gonna say, stop, wait. He's gonna don't do that. Warning, warning, warning. So so I want to give you very quickly some holy adventure warnings. Here's the first one. Don't let wealth be your CEO. See, Jesus issued a, a this warning with laser light precision. I mean, he he nailed it. He just said, nobody's going to be able to serve two masters. You're going to either hate one and love the other one, or you're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. And he said, you cannot serve God and your wealth. You can't. So don't let your wealth be your CEO. Who's your CEO? God, God is. God's your CEO. All right, good, good. You got that one. Here's the holy adventure uh, warning number two. Don't love money. Okay. First, uh, first Timothy chapter number six, verse 10 talks about this. It says the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Uh, it says, and some who have longed for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now I want to be clear with this though. The Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say that. Uh, I, in fact I was I was gonna try to find a little cool graphic with that in money is the root of all evil and I started looking I just looked it up online and I just I stopped and I'm like, I thought I'm not gonna go there because I found all kinds of articles and videos by preachers that are preaching that that right there that money is the root of all evil and it's not uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get on there, start commenting, and saying you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, that's not going to help them out at all. But, but I, I was, it, it kind of left a horrible feeling in my stomach because, because, it's it's just not true. And and there are even elements of that in the culture. I heard that there was a, that this happened with a Wheel of Fortune episode several years ago, where where the the the, the little puzzle they were supposed to solve says money is the root of all evil. And, and, and after they had done that, they got slammed with calls and slammed saying that's not what the Bible says because it, it isn't. Basically, when people are propagating that, that money is the root of evil, they're trying to shame people who have financial resources or maybe extra financial resources. What the Bible says, though, is the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. So, don't love money. Here's, here's warning number three. Third warning: If you're going to be on this holy adventure, don't make wealth the goal of your life. Jesus encountered this young, wealthy man, and he was really super religious, religious and he was following the commandments of God. He came to Jesus, and he said, said I, you know, please tell me how I can inherit eternal life. And, and Jesus said, well, do this and this. And he was just giving him various commands. He goes, oh, man, I've been doing that all my life. So he's getting really excited. And, and so, he says, so Jesus said, well, now there's one other thing you should do. Just go ahead and sell stuff and, and, uh, and give it to the poor. And it says he walked away totally discouraged and, and disappointed and sad because he didn't want to be generous with his worldly goods and focus on heavenly heavenly rewards instead, heavenly treasures. So he left disappointed. He wasn't willing to share what God had given to him because wealth was the goal of his life. He didn't want to change. So don't make wealth the goal of your life. Here's warning number four. Don't say this Mine, 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 Now, little children, they're going to do that. They will say, mine, mine, mine. And we learn to wean them away from saying those words. And we need to be careful with that as well. Because what you think and what you say is actually very powerful. In fact, the scriptures tell us over and over that everything that we have is actually a gift. And it ultimately belongs to us. God. In fact, the scripture says the earth of the Lord's and everything in it. Those who live in it, everything is the Lord's. So we heed these warnings. And, and I, I encourage you to heed these warnings as you move out into this adventure of joyful generosity. So I challenge you, I want to challenge you. Set out on this holy adventure. I want you to experience it, I want you to engage with it, and it will help you to mature in your faith as you do that. Now, as a married couple... <clears throat> Rebecca and I uh, we have been learning to gr- live and to grow in this as a spiritual marker of, of our maturity. And and we, we've been doing this for over three decades, just growing in these principles of joyful generosity. And along the way, we discovered that <laughs> it's it's a very, very important part of our own spiritual discipleship. It's it's but it's actually a day-by-day by day, by day by day holy a- adventure. It is a day-by-day day choice that we have to make. So as you seek to fully follow Jesus which is what I know you want to do what you have to do is is ask God to drop into your heart some ideals ideas to propel you and to put you into this holy adventure of joyful generosity now here's some principles that work with this the first one is this it is to give to God first give to the Lord first in our early years of marriage I actually went and calculated it uh, you know I it, it, there wasn't much there and Truth be told, if we didn't give to God first... There would have been nothing left over after we had spent everything on what we needed or felt that we needed. Uh, I, I recall cl- clearly our income was $1,900 a month, and so every Sunday I would write a, dollar, uh, a check for 40. Remember when we wrote checks all the time? I wrote, yeah, we wrote checks, checkbooks. Some of you still write them, uh, but but uh, I had this. We, I would write a $48 check, prepare it in advance, and bring it to church, and I would put that in the offering every single week. If I missed a Sunday, I'd bring two checks the next Sunday, and and that was a normal, regular part of our, of, of our lifestyle of giving. <clears throat> In fact, I didn't want the offering to pass unless I had given something, but that was the Lord's tithe. And so we gave that before any of our bills were due. That was, that was given right up front. And, uh, and it was, it's, it's interesting because we never really got to the end of the month or got to the end of a pay period unable to have our basic needs met. God met our needs all the time. And I honestly believe that if we had not given the Lord's tithe first, there wouldn't have been that leftover at the end to give to God. God didn't get the leftover. So give to God first. Second is this, and I talked about this a little bit last week, but it is to respond to divine promptings. And I want to reiterate that today. Along with the regular rhythm of giving, whether it's weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly, or however you give. Followers of Jesus need to have openness in their hearts and their souls for the needs of people around them and listen to the nudges of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can't fix everything. You can't make everything come together. You, you really, really can't. You're, you're not gonna be able to take care of all the needs out there, but you listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And when you feel him speaking, when you feel him whispering, you need to obey because he calls us to be generous. And when he calls us to be generous, we should respond. Now, if you're worrying that this prompting to be generous is not from God, then I want you just to stop and consider this. Could Satan be setting you up to give financially to the church or to help a person in need? Do you think that would be the work of hell? Uh, I don't think it's very likely, no. I mean, could it be that we're just so overly gracious and altruistic, like, oh, we're so wonderful. I just want to give, give, give away all of my stuff. I'm mean, like, come on, think again. In reality, it's this holy adventure of being generous. And And truth be told, I believe this. If you give more than you should, I believe God has a way of restoring and bringing that back and even more. So I believe that and I operate in that. You know, when we were newlyweds and uh, I was the assistant children's pastor at, uh, at our church, and, and Rebecca was a Spanish teacher. She taught Spanish at Christian school. We, we, we were working and we were doing our stuff. And, and uh, then we, you know, we never drew attention. We didn't like to draw attention to our needs. But I mean, it was, it was very, very, very tight. And sometimes, I'll just be candid with you, clearly on paper there was no way that we were going to be, be able to make things work out. Many times just look at it, this isn't, this isn't going to work. Uh, I, I remember that was back in the days where you mailed in your bills to the, to the, uh, um, to the, to the places that, that you owed your bills to. And I would I would write the check in there and mail it knowing that, well, if I mail it on this day, they're going to get it by this day. And then it would take a few days for the check to clear the bank. The, the, the 80s and 90s were great back in those days. They, they clear way too fast now. And it's like, okay, I figured out enough time. I can make this work. And so, so it was always trying to make... And then all of a sudden, one day I came home and she said... I'm going to have a baby." And I'm like, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And almost immediately, I thought, oh no, what are we gonna do? Oh, <laughs> How's this? How's this gonna work? How's this gonna work? And started thinking. She goes, we have to go and start looking at baby stuff. So we went to baby stores, and I and she was looking at all the pretty stuff, and I was looking at the prices, going, Lord, 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 Lord. You said you'd open the windows of heaven, but I don't know how this is gonna work. And and we we, we needed stuff, and. Truth be told, we have no family. We had all all of our relatives around parents and all that kind of stuff. We've always lived away from them. We've never lived close. So we don't have like the parents or the grandparents to do that stuff for us. So we needed stuff. And we're getting closer and closer and closer to the due date. We have nothing for the little boy who's going to be born. And then some ladies in the church whose children we ministered to, they... They did, a, they did a baby shower for us. I remember how awkward it felt for me going to a baby shower the first time. I mean, guys, d- ladies, let me just tell you. I know you think the couple showers are cool, but there's not one guy in this room that really wants to go to a couple shower. Now, enough enough on that, enough on that. So that's just the way it is. It's the way it is. And they will go begrudgingly and they will try to smile. They'll hang out with their guy friends, hoping there's a guy friend there and they're not the only dude in the room, kind of like I was at that time. But uh, but you know, we were there and we, man, we got this wonderful shower. Then some other people said, hey, we want to throw you a shower also. So they gave us another shower. And there were actually three showers for our faith, And the senior pastor heard about it. He goes, what are you doing telling people to have showers for you? Like, we're not telling anybody to do that. We're not doing all, all doing that. They're just doing it. And then we were so blessed. We had so much stuff that we, we were able to take care of every single need. Thank God that they were obeying these promptings and thank God that God honored it back on our end just how it works. Here's another one. Here's another one of the principles is invest in eternity. See, Jesus made it clear that there are two investment strategies. Uh, You can pour your resources into the things of this world, but they will you know, rust or they'll be stolen or moths will eat them or they'll turn to dust or you can invest in the eternal. And I want us to go back to our core scripture today. I want you to look at it one more time. Matthew chapter six, verse 19. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. You know, so there's this old saying that uh, you you can't take it with you. you. You've heard about that. Like when you die, you can't take it with you. Well, I, I understand that in a sense, but that's actually not a complete accurate statement because you cannot take your goods and stuff with you, but you can invest those goods and whatever you have in this world. You invest your resources one way or another in other people. You, reach, you, you invest those resources in reaching the lost. And if you invest those resources in reaching the lost and lost people come to Jesus, then there is a reward for you in, in eternity. I'm going to explain something to you about the local church. The local church is the only organization on the face of this earth that's going to win people to Jesus. It is. Walgreens ain't going to do it, all right? And I'll go over there and give them some of my money in exchange for a product, and that's fine. I'll, I'll do that. But when you give here, please understand this. Lives are being touched. Souls are being touched. People are coming into heaven, and you do get to take people with you, in a sense, into eternity. And The beautiful thing about it, even as we give to missionaries and missions works all over the world, we have no idea what that will look like when we get into eternity. I've heard this said before. I think uh, we'll be met at heaven's gate and total strangers will come up to us and say, thank you for giving because of your giving the gospel got to me and I'm here because of you. Because all will be revealed in eternity. We just don't see it or know it right here in this world. So invest in eternity. Invest. And we're going to invest in, 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 I want us to invest in the things that are around us as well. Invest in hurting people. In fact, one of the things we're going to be doing a little bit later this summer, and you'll hear about it next week is so we're going to begin investing even through our local food bank and helping our food bank to make sure they have plenty of food stored up because we don't, we don't want them to have to have you know, stuff with, don't bring stuff with moths in it. Okay, well, we will not do that. But, but we'll, be, we'll be able to help financially and, and even even lend our hands and, and feet in doing, helping out the local food bank. We're, that's going to be a project that you'll be hearing about later this summer. Those types of things I want us to endure. All right, here's one of the one principles. I like this one. I like all of them. But get this. We are to enjoy and celebrate what God has given us. Did you hear me? Enjoy and celebrate it. You know, God delights in giving his children good gifts. He does. And it makes his heart just swell with joy to see us enjoying what God has given us. It does. So I'm not going to guilt trip you. And I don't think that's right. So enjoy what God has given you. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 19 says that tells us that everything comes from God and also tells us that we are to enjoy what God gives us or to to rejoice in the fruit of our labor. That means when we're working that actually creates resources, financial resources and then we're able to have stuff and so when that pay comes in and you're able to do things with that, enjoy it and celebrate it and thank God for it. Yeah, First Timothy chapter six tells us that God richly supplies us with all things to what? Enjoy. Yes. And it also says so that you can then be generous with those things and store up treasures in heaven. That's a pretty amazing promise. First Timothy chapter six, verse 17, 18, and 19. You know, when I pastored in Missouri, there was a uh, there was a man who believed in this principle. He lived it out in a very interesting way. He would give his first 10%, his tithe, to the work of Jesus through the local church, and then he would set aside a second portion. He would set aside another five percent. He also gave to other things as well, but he would set aside an extra five percent, and and that would be a five percent that he would use to bless and to you know just to celebrate with and to to bless other people with. So what he would do from time to time, he would just plan something special, plan an event or plan an outing or plan something, and and invite people to participate, and then he would simply pick up the tab. And when he did that, one of the things he would do, he would he would be quick to point it out because there, there weren't always believers around experiencing all this he would just say hey this is the goodness of God this is God blessing you and so so understand this is that you are on this holy adventure of joyful generosity if you'll just do it, just do it, it is great and the last principle I want to share with you on this is to grow in contentment to grow in contentment I'll tell you right now there will always be things that I want Always. But I am happy with what I have. And I always have been. Happy with what I have. If I if I receive nothing more, I am content with, with what I have and I'm at peace. I don't need more stuff to make me complete. See, and when you learn the joy, the real joy of contentment, you're gonna live in freedom. And then you can just simply enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. That's what God wants us to do. See, if you're always seeking more and more and more, believing that, well, I'll finally be happy when I get this, or if I get that, I mean, please understand, you'll have a burst of of a good feeling. Like when you buy a new car, there's that burst of a new feeling, like, ah, this thing smells good, feels good, and it's not going to break down. But, but you yeah, know, after a little while, it just, it, it, you know, it falls apart, and, and you don't feel that good about it anymore. And that's just the way that it works. So if you're always seeking more, thinking, well, if I just get, the, I will get this, or I get to this place, or I get to this pay pay sc- this place on a pay scale, I'm going to finally be happy. If I finally get this possession, or that possession, or this piece of property, please understand, if you are continuing to work for the next and strive and expect the next possession or upgrade or raise to bring you contentment, you're never going to find true contentment. See, God calls us to live differently. God doesn't want you to simply go through each day kind of like chasing this carrot that's on a string and it's always out there, just out of your reach. Because a lack of contentment will, will, will lead you to live that way. And here's an amazing secret that many people have never learned. If you are content with what you have today and you're content with where you are today, when you get more, you're going to continue to be in content. If you have less, you'll continue to be content because you've learned contentment right here, right there. In the same way, if you are discontented with where you are today and, and you feel like, well, if I just get more, then I'm going to be content. Now, if you get more, you will still be discontented. That is a secret and it actually works that way. So, I want, you, I want to encourage you in a very simple way just to simply develop a habit of giving stuff away. Uh, if you want to go deeper into this adventure of holy generosity or this, this holy adventure of joyful generosity, then uh, just look, look at what I've shared with you. Take what I've shared with you and let it get deep into your heart and begin to live it out. Find ways to release your resources and it can be very, very, very simple. Uh, you know, it just just thinking over this past week, and I don't like to share stories about myself, but I'm going to share this little tiny one because it's a tiny thing. But it's how how this stuff works. And and it was very much fresh in my mind because I've been working on these sermons. And, and there there was a there was a homeless man sleeping over in the alley uh, behind our building this last week. And it was on that day where it was forecasted to be 107. And... He was sleeping in the shade in the morning. kept kind of kept my eye on him, watching him on our security cameras. Just kept watching him, thinking, "Okay, at a certain point, this guy needs to get up and go. This isn't good." Um, about about 11:45 uh, a.m., saw that he was still there, so I went over to him and I just said, "Hey, you know, woke him up." And he was passed out, and you know, for obvious reasons. And, and, I, and I woke him up and, and I had some water with me which is what I'll normally do and brought him some water I saw that he already had a little bit of water there in a bag and I said well I'm going to give you an extra one here and you, but you need to get up I said it's, it's, it's hot you're sleeping in the sun and it's supposed to be way over 100 today do you know where to go to stay cool he said yes I do yes I do yeah I do and he's kind of waking up and he just said but he says really what I want right now is some coffee and I'm thinking okay I'm thinking, you don't, uh, hot coffee right now, Just I just don't know. And of course, eh, whatever. But he, he wanted some coffee. And then I said, well, wait a minute. I have a bottle of iced coffee <laughs> in my little lunch cooler that I packed my lunch in. And like, yeah, let me let me, let me me get you some. I said, I bought him the bottle, and I shook it up and said, is iced coffee okay? And he said, oh, that's actually perfect. He took it. Left, I'd never seen him before. May never see him again. But upon doing that, I lost the iced coffee for my day. Oh, the tragedy of it all. A new iced coffee did not mysteriously appear in my lunchbox, nor did I find one in my refrigerator. There was no extra. But you know what? I'm okay with that. Because that's what that man needed at that moment just to get himself going for the day yeah you know, there are little things like that that you can do continually if you'll just look for the opportunities just develop a habit of giving stuff away. develop that habit and you don't want to short circuit the uh, the the way that God blesses like well if I give it away now, I'm, now I now have to replace it with more you know you don't, it' it's, it's sometimes it's better just to let it go let it be don't use it as an excuse to get more new stuff fact, for many of us, especially in our culture, we need to make the decision to live more simply and become more grateful and to dive into this holy adventure of joyful generosity. Yeah, there's some risk associated with it. Yeah, there's also a reward. Rewards both here on earth, but also in eternity but you can be confident of the security that God has for you in the middle of this holy adventure that God's gonna take care of you. Remember this and take this as part of your identity. We are a generous church filled with generous people and that's simply the way that we choose to live as disciples of Jesus. Let's pray, God. Before I go any further into communion, Lord, I I just wanna stop and pray right now that you will bring conviction to our hearts. Bring deep conviction to our hearts. Convict us regarding how we should and can apply this this message today. Lord, as disciples of Jesus, the most generous of all, help us to learn this, help us to live this, and help us to enjoy, enjoy the holy adventure of joyful generosity. Jesus' name, amen. We're going to move into a time of communion, and, and I think it's very appropriate because as we do this, we are remembering what Jesus did for us and how he sacrificed so much for us. That's what we're doing. We're thanking Jesus for his joyful generosity. shared last week it was he he went to the cross because of joy (laughs) joy joy and that joy is you and that joy is me so we thank him one of the ways that we do this is through holy communion because in our faith we dare not ever forget what jesus did for us it is the foundation of everything that we do before we have communion before we serve it though wanna make sure that every person has made the decision to follow Jesus, that you're, you're right with God. Scripture says we're supposed to examine ourselves, examine ourselves before we take in the elements. You see, at City of Life Church, we, uh, we practice open communion, which means that you don't have to be a part of our church to share in communion, but you do need to be a part of the family of God. So with nobody looking around right now, also for those of you who are online, if if there is, if you're living a life that is not right with God, you're not a believer, you're not Christian, you're, you're not serving the Lord, and you know it. I want you to take this moment right now and give your heart and your life to Jesus. And I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. And I'm going to have you repeat a prayer after me and the way to be a part of this prayer is to very simply lift your hand and say that's me Pastor Tim I want to receive Christ and if you're watching online you just simply tell one of the hosts that you are uh, you're wanting to give your life to Christ so I'm going to count three and if that's you just lift your hand for me and I'll recognize you and then we're all going to pray together who needs Jesus? Lift your hand one two three lift it up for me thanks put your hand down else. Would you guys pray this prayer with me? Pray this prayer with me. If you lifted your hand, pray this and mean this from the bottom of your heart. Dear Jesus, today I make the choice for you to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Wash it away. I choose to follow you, to be your disciple all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.